Praise God. You can be seated. I need a couple of volunteers if they wouldn't mind passing out some things. Maybe you can divide this between you. We have some pencils over there if you want to just make that available for people. Also, I have last week's syllabus if you need that. I have that. In fact, I'll give that to one of you. If somebody needs last week's syllabus, they can, they can come up and get that just so that you, you have that for your records in Jesus' name. What an exciting time to live for God. Oh, my goodness, folks, we really, truly do have it made when you, when you consider the condition of the world that you and I live in, and that's not paranoia, that's just, man, alive. It's People are just wondering what's going on out there, and of course, those of us that have been students of the Word of God for, for any length of time, we discover that, praise God, a lot of this is being written. Um, it doesn't mean that we, we can predict everything, it just means that we understand the times and the seasons. That's what Jesus was really pretty interested in getting us to become more familiar with, praise God, the exact times and dates. Folks, there's no man knows these things. The Bible says Jesus, who in my opinion was God in the flesh, praise God, when he said no man's going to know the day or the hour, he meant it, I believe it. But we can know the times and the seasons. We can begin to see things that are coming together, praise God, for, again, last time uh, revival and last time predictions that have been going on. And so, in the meantime, the Scripture gives us lots of pointed instructions. One of the things that was said in the Scripture was to occupy until He comes. That means that you and I should be busy about the work and the, and the things of God. It's just that simple. It doesn't mean that we put our heads in the sand and we don't acknowledge the stuff that's going on. It just means that right now, during this time, praise God, this is what Jesus termed as the acceptable year of the Lord. What that means is it means literally that anybody can be saved. That's, that's what it, that really literally means that. And it doesn't mean that you can make up your way of doing it. It just means that if you'll, if you'll read the scriptures and you're going to uh, find uh, that if you're good at following instructions, which is really one of the first protocols to scripture, amen. Uh, what was it, James, that put forth, he said, to receive with meekness the engrafted word that is able to save a person's soul. So it means that you and I have to learn how to take instructions, um, and uh, that sometimes can be a little harder than other times. You know, it seems like when we fall on bad times, we'll listen to anybody, won't we? Sure we will, because, man, we want to get out of this hole. We want to get out of this dilemma, praise God, and that's okay. Amen. But it seems like when things get going a little bit good, we have a tendency to have a, um, you know, a reluctance towards some of this stuff. And so we have to get better at that. And I believe with the help of the Lord, we can. Can you say Amen. Last week we talked about identifying spiritual strongholds, and everybody has them. This is not something that we're trying to single out a few people and say, you're really bad. No, we're just trying to point out the fact that all of us have to deal with certain things on a regular basis. But with the, the counterbalance of God, can somebody say amen? amen? Which is his word and his spirit. That thing, the word and the spirit comes into our lives to give us that counterbalance, that perspective so that you and I can really understand what's going on. Last week we picked apart the, the, the idea of a stronghold of pride and pride is one of those things that you and I deal with whether we like it or not. I hope that you took some time this past week to examine that list that was on page number two. How does pride manifest itself? It's sometimes very very evident. We like the peacock type. There's some people we can walk into a room and we can say my goodness that's as thick as it gets. You know, and we, we can identify that one. And sometimes we are even overcome with that. Sometimes after some success, 
that's what we struggle with. We have a tendency to increase our hat size a couple of notches, don't we? And think that we've got it down now. And we can tell everybody how it works. Oh, yes, we, we get good at that. And sometimes that's not the advice people need to follow. People need to see people who that after God does something for them, it doesn't alter the way they live for him at all. That they're going to still love him. They're going to just come to church. They're going to pay their tithes. They're going to pray. They're going to have faith in the things of God, no matter what God brings into their lives. And those are the kind of people that can really put their roots down deep. Amen. I think it's the scripture that says, I have not seen, neither ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of a person the things that God has in store for them that love him. That's what we're learning to do. Jesus simplified the commandments when he said in Matthew, he said, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Where does that begin, somebody asked me one time. I said, well, I'm not exactly sure ex where the line is, but I think it begins with loving yourself a little bit less. That doesn't mean you have poor self-esteem. That doesn't mean you just pick yourself apart. It just means that you learn that as a selfish human being, you're not going to learn to love God. And so we have to learn to put pride to rest on a regular basis. And so hopefully that lesson last week was helpful for that. Um, it's not an exhaustive study, but if you'll learn how to, how to be humble in the sight of God, you will learn how to put, um, uh, to put pride at bay. This week, by way of review, let's talk about that scripture that we, we recited last week. The text is 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It says, but mighty. Everybody say mighty. mighty. How are they mighty? Through God, amen, to the pulling down of strongholds. That's what we're talking about, strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. Somebody say every thought. To what? What do we want to do? Just start thinking about different things? No, we want to start thinking about being constantly, consistently obedient to God. Not that we're getting a big bunch of merit badges here, folks, but the idea of it is if you want a safety net in your life, and I hope that you do, in this world you need one, and so do I. Obedience is one of those safety nets. Amen. It'll keep you close to God. It's not going to make you perfect. It's not going to make you better than anybody else, but it's going to put you in a place of privilege. And that's what God wants to do. And so again, God gives us these things so that we will understand the world we're living in. It doesn't solve all the problems. It just helps us to navigate in life. Praise God. Amen. And so think about that. Last week we talked about strongholds. The definition of this is they are thoughts, imaginations, and arguments that are in opposition to the Word of God. Now if you don't know the Word of God, a lot of times you can do this stuff unaware. But as you begin to increase your knowledge of the Word of God, it becomes very clear in my opinion. Man, that's not what God wants me to do. That's not where he wants me to go. That's not what he wants me to think. Now, again, that isn't a cure-all, but it's, it's, a, it's a line of definition. And God likes to define things in our life. And so this idea of strongholds, praise God. We don't want to oppose God, do we? No. We are told to give no place to the devil. That's in Ephesians 4 and 27. Do not give or yield any room for him to operate within our minds and our lives to attack, vex, and disable us in our relationship and walk with God. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to quit doing that. 
It just means that now you become aware of his system. Amen. I've said it all along, and I mean this, no disrespect, but none of us in this room really are that much, are, are high enough to where we're worthy of a personal visit from Satan himself. I don't believe that. And not that I'm trying to belittle us, I'm just saying he's got bigger fish to fry. You can turn on the news and you can find out what he's trying to do, you know. But the bottom line, you and I are not immune to his system. His system is very well rooted in this world, amen, and we can begin to identify that, amen. He has a, um, uh, a group of, of demonic uh, assistants, if I can put it that way, that are categorically all over this world, praise God, and that's why you can go to different places and you can sense strongholds, you can sense real spiritual darkness in some areas, praise God, and there's no question about that. That doesn't mean that you and I become experts at spiritual warfare, it just means we become more aware of it. We become more of aware of it. And the first place we need to become aware of it is in our own lives. And so giving the devil a toehold, I like this, can become a foothold that eventually becomes a stronghold. Notice the succession of events. You give him a toehold, and then all of a sudden he's going to get a foothold, and then pretty soon, man, we're just we're thinking about that all the time. And we have to be careful with that in Jesus' name. And that's not something your neighbor did, do you? That's something that you come by honestly. You have that power. You have the ability to think, praise God, and to let things marinate in Jesus' name. We also talked about the fact that wherever there is strife, anxiousness and anger, these are leading events, depression or conflict in our spirit, um, reveals an area that the enemy is warring against us from a stronghold he has in our thought life, praise God. So don't think that you're ever going to be exempt from it, that you're going to be, um, you know, that, that it's never going to happen again. It's just that we become more and more aware of it, praise God. I told the men's group here a few weeks back that if you want to be used in spiritual prayer, plan on getting attacked. Because when you become effective in the kingdom of God, that is one thing that the kingdom of Satan will notice. Amen. And he will send counter things. But the Bible says there's no weapon formed against us that will prosper. It also says that if God be for us, who can really be against us? See, as long as we keep ourselves lined up with God and keep pride in check. Come on, you can do that. That doesn't mean you'll never be prideful. It just means you can keep it in check. You can quit that. You can make sure that that hole isn't going to get any bigger. And so God can help us to do that. And so it is important to identify these strongholds as we're talking about today so that we can successfully pull them down, destroy their influence in our life. And that's really the name of the game, folks. People do what they are doing most of the time because they're influenced. And some of you can begin to see the difference that even a, an apostolic imperfect church will do for you. That just these dummies that come to church and pray and have faith in God, my goodness, they begin to influence us. And pretty soon, my goodness, it makes a difference in our life, doesn't it? And so keep that in mind, praise God. Amen. Learn what God wants you to do, and very, very rarely does God say, quit doing that. He'll tell you to keep doing it, even when you don't feel like it, even when nobody else is doing it. 
Even when the rest of the world seemingly thinks, you know, it looks like they're going a different way. You just keep doing what God wants you to do. And I'll tell you something, folks. One of the, the definitions of success, if, if there is such a word in the kingdom of God, is being faithful to what God has called you to do today and keep on doing it. Why don't you lift your hands right now and make, make about a 10-second commitment to God right now. Say, God, I'm going to do that. I'm going to quit, you know, mulling around in the mully grubs. I'm going to quit dwelling on stupid stuff, things that just drag me down. And I'm going to start thinking the way you want me to think because your Bible says this mind that was in Christ Jesus can be in me. And so, Lord God, I'm going to depend on that. I'm going to allow that to happen in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord God, help us to identify these two areas, very important areas. The one area of pride, Lord God. Help us to take evasive action towards it by being humble in the sight of God, in the name of Jesus. And then help us today in identifying the stronghold of a wounded spirit, God. Help us to understand that being in warfare, we're going to get hurt from time to time. But with your help, Lord God, we can get through it. We can become better people. We can learn, Lord God, that you're going to give us some action to do in the name of Jesus. And God, I give you the praise and the glory. I do in advance, God. This is all your deal. You are the author and the finisher of it, Lord God. And there's no way, Lord God, we could ever get through this and do this on our own. And God, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God is so good. Amen. He is so good. And so allow God to break up that fallow ground. He will do it every day, any day that you allow him to do that. Uh, scripture that talks about in Psalms 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. That's good advice. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. That's what God is intending on doing for the rest of this age that you and I are living in, praise God, in Jesus' name. And so pride can be one of those things that can really, really, really hinder us in Jesus' name. And so humility is the stronghold of the godly. That's what James 4 and 10 says. Humble yourself in the sight of God. And the Bible says he'll lift you up. In Jesus' name. So today we're going to talk about identifying the stronghold of a wounded spirit. We don't have as near as much information here, but there's some things here that you can begin to take home and you can begin to study on your own. Proverbs 18 and 14 says, The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. What does that really mean? That means that God puts within us a spirit of... of uh, um, of being able to handle things in Jesus' name. He does. You're tougher than you think, and it's because of what God has put in you. And so you must understand a lot of that comes via the Spirit. Amen. That's why the, the Scripture says if your spirit gets wounded, ooh, you're in trouble. That's when you got to, a lot of times, turn tail and, and run, and you got to hide yourself, and that's what people choose to do. And we got to understand that maybe the first few times that's okay, or maybe that's a learning experience, but after a while, we got to learn to take some action. When we win, not if, we get wounded, okay? And so... Um, I think in, in uh, I, I should have probably verified this with Scott and, and Carlos here, the people that have been in the military, but sometimes in military you have, when they go into battles and stuff like that, there's sometimes people will get hurt by something called friendly fire. 
that sometimes they didn't mean to shoot them, but then in their attacking the enemy and doing all the things that they do, sometimes a stray bullet will get into somebody. And that's not good, I understand that, but it happens. And a lot of times, or not a lot of times, but sometimes that will happen in, in the church. That people are just trying to, to overcome things and that type of thing, and sometimes they will say things that they didn't really mean that, they just knew what their situation was, but sometimes some, somebody might take that wrong, and they might get offended. And I've known people, unfortunately, that have stayed in that kind of a debunk for months because of what somebody said. And they didn't, you know, have enough smarts to go and say, did, what did you mean by that? And it would have cleared the thing up in a half a second. Now, that's what I'm talking about here, folks. You can't expect everybody in the church here to, you know, fluff up your pillows and expect you to be real comfortable so that nobody ever gets in your way and so that you are real, you got everything going your way, but the rest of us will just stand aside here and just, you know, hopefully we can make it. That's really what the mentality of a lot of people are. And so we have to be careful with that one. And I'm not talking about going to the other extreme where we say, hey, bless God, we're in the kingdom of God. I should be able to say whatever I want. You just forgive me. I've, I've counseled people with that ticket too. You know, and so we have to be careful. Somewhere in the middle is where God wants us. Can you say amen? And so a wounded spirit's going to come. The Bible says in Psalms 147.3, He, He, as in God, heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Now, we're, that's going to be a very important scripture for you to dissect. He not only heals, but He helps us to bind things up. Amen. And so we're going to talk about some aspects of a wounded spirit that a lot of this is going to bring back some familiarity. You're going to say, yeah, I remember when that happened to me, you know. And so I'm not here to bring up bad memories. I'm just here to say now we got something we can do about it. Luke in chapter number four is when Jesus came down from the mountain. Remember that? He went up to the mountain after he was baptized for 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible says he was led by the spirit. But after he allowed himself to be put under that type of treatment, he came down down in the power of the Spirit. So I want you to understand, one of the things about being able to overcome a wounded spirit is that you become more powerful in God. Amen. I'm not talking about that you can, you know, uh, you know leap tall buildings and, and lift up cars and stuff like that. I'm just talking about you become stronger in the Lord and in the power of His might. And isn't that one of our goals? Sure it is, praise God. So this all makes sense. Amen. Let's fight pride. Let's, when, when a wounded spirit comes, let's recognize it in, Je in Jesus' name. I've said this over the years. What we want, <laughs> and God listens, but we want a pain, problem, and pressure-free world. That's what we want. We want to live life in this life like nothing ever happens to us, and that is absolutely an impossibility. Now, the symptoms, did I say that right? I did. Symptoms of a wounded spirit. Look at this. We got nine of them here. And you'll recognize some of that stuff in your life. First of all, negative attitude. That's what happens when we're wounded, is we have a tendency to go down that negative road. Amen. We begin to be preoccupied with the past, and we see bad in everything. Now, this comes in various degrees, but you can notice it. All of a sudden, man, something that never used to bother you that much, all of a sudden it seems to bother you now. Well, I'm not saying that you've been greatly wounded, but I'm saying you've probably been hit. 
Amen. It happened to me one time. My brother came to me. He said, let's see who can hit the softest. And, of course, I was stupid back then. I was a little kid. He was older than me. And, man, he wound up and nailed me on the shoulder, and he says, you win. (laughs) And I thought about that for a minute. And the next day I said, wait a minute. The game wasn't over yet. I bet I can hit harder than you can. Well, that was the wrong reaction. Amen. But that's usually how we take it, isn't it? Somebody hits us. Look out, buddy. You think you hit hard. Man, I'm going to hit harder. And so we have to be careful with that. Number one, a negative attitude will bring a lot of this thinking into our, into our place. Number two is that victim mindset. Oh, woe is me. Views ourselves as a sufferer. Oh, can turn even kind actions of others into a grievance. It gets to a point where nobody can do anything good enough. They can't do enough. And so we have to be careful with that. Number three is that we start to blame tactics. Whoa, that one, you know. Again, some of this stuff is extremely obvious. And I'm not saying we never do this. I'm just saying, let's be careful. What's the motive? Somebody told me one time, God isn't so concerned about what we do as much as he is why we do it. Why are we doing things? And that one takes a little longer. And so a wounded spirit will usually bring that out, will bring the why out, you know. And then number four is all of a sudden we begin to lose joy. That we just don't have the joy of the Lord like we used to. You know, days are, are, you know, 360 hours long. You know, can't wait till the end of the week. You know, that type of thing. And so we no longer enjoy the wonder and the awe of life or the living for the Lord. What is God doing around me? Amen. And then number five, what happens is, and it's natural, is we start protecting ourselves. We start putting on, you know, things that, boy, you're, no, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to open up. It's just me and Jesus. We're headed to the bighorns. And we'll come back, boy, when this thing is all over. Come on, I know some of you have had that mentality a lot. Oh, forget the church, man. They're not perfect in there. That mouthy little preacher, he gets under my skin too often. So I'm headed to the mountains. It's me and Jesus. You're going to find out it don't work very good that way. Because you and I need authority in our life. Not only God, but we need other authority that God has established. So I'm not picking on you, but I'm saying you've got to be careful with that protecting ourselves too much. And what that means is we avoid things. We won't go there. We won't try that anymore. Because man alive, I, I got my knees skinned. Okay? And then number six, there begins to, to, to develop an air or a cloud of deep sadness. Pretty soon, and we call that a cloud. It's like, my goodness, what's wrong with them? It seems like for the last two weeks, three weeks, two months, whatever the case is, it just seems like they can't, there, there's just something there. And, and, and Holy Ghost filled people will try to, to, to get us joyful in that type of thing. Amen. I remember before my wife was my wife and she was going with another guy in the church. And I was thinking of ways I could sabotage that. No, I wasn't. I was not. I was not. I was not. Her boyfriend was a good guy. Jeff was a great guy and still is. 
But I remember she struggled with getting the Holy Ghost. That's when I first noticed her. She would come to the altar and she would try to, to get the Holy Ghost for, you know, for hours it seems like. And one night after she didn't get the Holy Ghost, man, there was a great sadness that came over her. i never forget that. She started crying and about broke my heart. Really did. I remember her crying, you know. And that's okay. Listen, I don't want you never to be sad. I think there's times when we should be disappointed and sad. It helps us to, to, you know, to get a little bit firmer on what we believe. But to live that way? Now that's the difference I'm talking about. That's what a wounded spirit will do. Amen. Is it'll start to create a cloud of deep sadness. And then pretty soon a memory still feels sad, painful, and terrifying. What happens is you remember all of those bad things. And some of that stuff we're supposed to forget. Amen. Number seven, woo, here's the one. We become easily offended. It doesn't make any difference what anybody says. You're going to take it, and I'm going to take it the wrong way. Wow. That one, I don't want to live my life that way. You know, I remember J.T. Pugh telling us one time in a, min in a minister's retreat, he says, every preacher needs a blind eye and a deaf ear. Well, I got them both. I need glasses, and I don't have any hearing in my left side, so I guess I'm a good Christian, right? No, he meant that in the spirit. Sometimes you just got to quit listening to some things. Sometimes you just got to say, okay, I'm taking my eye off of that one. Amen. And so God can help us, and so we won't become so easily offended. And then what happens is we carry those unhealed wounds with us every place we go. And then at the very slightest little bump, oh, well, why is that? Because it isn't healing. It's still festering. It's still tender. And so you and I have to become, become very careful with that easily offended syndrome. Because what that does is, number eight, we begin believing lies. Pretty soon anybody can tell us anything and we're going to be the conspiracy theory specialist. We're going to take everything to the nth degree. Pretty soon, my goodness, everybody's bad, and there's only about three or four of us that are going to make it in the rapture, and my goodness, I just got to camp myself outside the church now. And you think this is ridiculous, but this stuff can happen. It really does. And God wants to heal us, praise God. And then the last one there, number nine, is that we begin to... What did I do? Number eight, believe lies. Oh. Read it. The devil tells you what a bad person you are. No one likes you. God has forgotten you and all lies. That's what it says. All lies. And remember, wasn't it you that said it on Wednesday night? And you can believe everything he says. Okay? Me, you've got to check it out. But him, you should believe. All right? He's a whole lot better looking than I am. Okay? But he talked about the fact that the devil is a liar. Everything he says is a lie. Right? You say that? Yeah. yeah good advice. Praise God. Now, can I go to number nine, Sister Garnan? Okay, thank you. Okay, then we have our lack of love for people. And the Bible says because of sin and iniquity, and of course we understand iniquity is just doing it our way, that because of that kind of a condition in the world, the love of many will wax cold. Well, if you study that in its context in the 24th chapter of the book of Matthew, he's talking about the church. He's talking about people who should really know the love of God who should really be operating within the parameters of the love of God. Because the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. When you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you get access to all of this kind of stuff. 
And so you must understand the devil, I wrote this down one time, the devil is defeated, but he's not destroyed. He still hangs around. That's why we would like him just to go and just keep going, you know. But that isn't happening. You know, he's still going to hang around for a while. You go to the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation, which is one of my favorite chapters, you see where, the, where the, the, an angel grabs him by the nap of the neck. Well, I don't know if it's the nap of the neck, but throws him into a bottomless pit. Amen. And he's locked up for a thousand years, praise God. So, we must understand that symptoms, a lot of times, will develop into diseases. That's why we want to catch these things right away, don't we? That's why that scripture, remember the one that I read to you before in, in Psalms 139? Search me, try me, help me to understand what's really inside of me, God. Remember that. That's not God just pestering you. That is God trying to help us to see some of these symptoms so that we can recognize that we have been wounded, praise God. Now, I'm not talking about a sliver. I'm not talking about a paper cut here. I'm talking about sometimes what happens to us when we do what God wants us to do. We become vulnerable. Amen. And I talk about things like getting your hand slammed in the door. That one hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. And so we have to be careful. But the good news is, on the next page there, number three, is healing. God will heal us. Amen. Now we got to follow, and remember what we said here earlier, we got to become better at following instructions. Amen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for um, instruction in righteousness, that you and I will be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Even when we're wounded, we can still be in good. We can still be, be good. We can. We can have a good attitude towards it. It might take some time, and we might have to go and, and rub it for quite a while and, and come to church and pray and all that kind of business. doesn't mean that there won't be any effort. It just means that there is healing. Come on, I want to tell somebody right now, there is healing, praise God. Jesus announced it when he started his evangelistic circuit. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance unto the captives and the recovering. Come on, somebody say recovering. The recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. That sounds like hurting people, doesn't it? Amen. And those are people in the kingdom of God. God doesn't shelter us as much as he allows us to go through things so that we can experience things. While God can work a miracle, as it says at the top of that third page there, God can work a miracle, and that's the one we're looking for all the time. We want that instant stuff. Praise God. Amen. I never did care for instant tang, though. I like the real orange juice. But you know what you got to do to oranges to get them to give you, give you, you got to squeeze them. Amen. And so don't forget that, praise God. While God can work a miracle of instant healing and deliverance for many, and I'm talking about most of us, it's going to be a process. And the reason that is, in my opinion, is because then we learn. If something instantly happens to us, we really don't gather any facts there. We just kind of go, okay, the next time that's the way it'll work. You know, and most of the time it won't. So number one, 
healing. That's where you want to put in that line. Healing the wound. That's what's important, praise God. Healing is extremely important. The Bible says in 1 John chapter number 1 and verse number 9, it says if, and that's a conditional word, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is God's promise to you and I. Amen. But the first word at that sentence is if. Amen. And so we must learn that healing is going to take some effort on our part. Amen. A lot of times it's going to the right doctor. It really is. Amen. You can beat around the bush with a general practitioner who can give you some ideas or you can find out what's wrong with me and I'm going to go to the person who really knows how to handle this. Well, the good news is Jesus Christ is a doctor of all ages, praise God. He's got all the information you and I need in Jesus' name. So, just as a physical wound must be cleansed, it's got to be clean, okay, before it can begin to heal, so does your spiritual wounds need cleansing. Now, this is a very, very, very important point, amen. And so it can be a painful process. Maybe there's a real underlying reason why you get so easily offended. And God wants to bring that out to the open. Amen. And so that's why when you start pointing a finger and saying it's their fault, their fault. No, you've got to understand it's a, it's a dual thing. A lot of times it's your fault too. And so we've got to be careful. And so what cleansing does, if you'll notice this, it says it starts with prayer. That's why a church needs to wrap itself around prayer and not just coming and fulfilling a ritual and saying some nice words and getting good feelings. But I like what James says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. I believe that God can help us to become more and more effective and that's what he wants to do. And so the cleansing of our, our wound starts with prayer. And though our wound may be caused by others, we can be the cause of our own spiritual damage. No matter the cause, unforgiveness, that's what you want to write in that line, is at the root. This is one of the things that can really, really, really hurt us. And no matter which way it's coming from, we have to learn, somebody said there's three things that you've got to learn to, to, to forgive in life. You've got to learn to forgive God, because a lot of times you and I don't understand what he's doing. You've got to learn to forgive yourself, and then you have to learn to forgive others. Those are three areas, praise God. I know they widen out a little bit, but the bottom line is unforgiveness is the root a lot of times, and that's what comes to the surface. All of a sudden we begin to see that, that I've got, the, I've got just as rotten of an attitude as they do. No wonder we're not getting this conflict settled. And so we, ask, we must ask God to help us to forgive. This is important, my friends. We've got to ask God. Those who have hurt us, and that may mean, uh, mean asking Him to help us forgive ourselves. See, we've got to have God's help in everything that we do, whether it be somebody else or whether it be ourselves. So consider that, praise God. God is available for you. Amen. And then it says here, it says, when we, when we forgive, we purge bitterness, strife, resentfulness, hurt, anger, guilt, and self-pity. These are all poisons. They are spiritual poisons that will get into a person's system. Poisons that keep the wound from being healed. 
That's why people will walk around with some gaping wound for months and years is because it hasn't been properly cleansed and because they haven't taken um, other measures. So along with number one, healing the wound, number two is we have to learn to protect the wound. Amen. And that's why the Bible uses the phrase in Psalms 147 that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. He doesn't just let it out in the air where it can be struck by something else. He binds it up. Somebody that has a broken arm or a broken leg, they will put some kind of a cast on it or some kind of protection on that. Amen. It's because it's healing. And while it's healing, it's a little bit tender. Amen. I preach a message, and I haven't done it for a long time, but maybe I'll get it out of the cobwebs. I preach a message about um, J um, uh, Jacob. Um, Israel was his name, was changed. I said, don't trust anybody who doesn't have a limp. And it's because Jacob, when he got encountered with God, the Bible says that angel touched his hip, and he was never the same again. He had a permanent limp. They could recognize, that's Jacob coming down the road there. Look at him. You can tell by the way he walks, you know. And God never healed that. He had a limp for the rest of his life. And so to some degree, I think that's going to happen to us. And I think it's a reminder. Jake, do you remember that encounter you had with God? You remember how intense that was? Yeah, I don't want you to forget that. And so think about that. Sometimes, you know, we're going to have that. But the point I'm making here, number two, is we've got to learn to protect our wounds. Amen. Just as a physical wound requires a dressing to cover and protect it while it is healing, we must protect the wound while God is healing us. Yes, you don't, don't use that left hand for a while. Let it rest for a while. Amen. And so how do we do that? Amen. Um, we do that by the renewing of our minds. That's what protects our minds, our thought pattern, is we continually go to God and we allow Him. The Bible says, I beseech ye, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is yours and my reasonable service. And then it quotes this verse here in verse number two. And be not conformed to what? This world. It says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The renewing of the mind can only come through the spirit. That's why a wounded spirit, who can bear it? That's why that affects your direct relationship with God. And that's why if it was me, I don't know about your attitude, but my attitude, I want to get it healed fast. But I also want to get it healed right. I don't want to start putting on a plastic face. I don't want to start putting on plastic protection so that people think that everything's okay in my life. No, I want this thing to be healed right. I want God to get down to where the root system is. And sometimes that will take some time. It will, but it'll be worth it, folks. I understand this sometimes can become very, very uncomfortable. I went to the doctor the other day, and, or I uh, had a phone visit with a doctor. I won't go into the details, but some of it was a little uncomfortable for me. Why is that? Because, oh, bless God, I'm, I'm Big Carnahan here. I don't have to go to the doctor anymore. Well, listen, buddy, you're going to be 66 here in a couple of months, so you better just behave yourself. Some of this stuff is going to come on you whether you like it or not. That's the talk I had, okay? I got those words from God, okay? You know, but the bottom line is, hey, let's quit being so intimidated and so afraid of this stuff. I got some good information, man, and I'll tell you something, it helps. God is good. 
Amen. And so you've got to understand, if you want to wallow by yourself and sit out there and, you know, get your can of beans and head to the, to the bighorns. I don't know why i got the bighorns on my mind. I don't know what that is. But man alive, if you want to do that, you're not going to get healed much. You're going to come back, and I'll tell you what, you're endangering yourself. That infection will set in. And boy, we don't want that one, because that one will really spread. Amen. And so God can help us. So you've got healing. You've got protection. Amen. Okay, what did I forget? Okay, okay. I take your word for it. <laughs> Cleansing and protection. See why I bring her to church every, every week? She has to come so I don't get it messed up, okay? I bet I get the third one right, though. Okay, turn to the last page here. Amen. It says up on top, it says, We hurt from what others have said or done or what we have done to ourselves. But if we choose, everybody say choose, to focus on our own pain, we open ourselves up to the enemy. And because we are dwelling in our hurt, instead of believing God for our healing, and so that's a lot of, makes perfect sense. And so after cleansing and after protection... Praise God. Chris, you don't have to worry about any of this stuff in your home, do you? Because you're always right, right? I'm just kidding you. He's smiling at me, man. Him and I, we got a connection. We know this stuff is true, don't we? We do. We do. Okay, the third one, and I know I got this one right, is you got to learn to monitor the wound. You got to keep looking at it. Is it going okay? Is there any stuff left? You know, that type of thing. You know, the scripture says in 1 Peter 5 and 8, it says, be sober. It says, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Amen. This is what he wants to do. Remember that episode last week when we talked about Jesus and Peter? Peter, something's coming your way, and Satan wants to sift you. But I got confidence in the process of God that when you're converted, man, make sure your brothers hear about this. That's why I like good, good healing testimonies. Not the kind that tell me how bad the devil is and how bad you've had it all week. I like the kind that says, you know, I'm going through something, but God's going, he's been there every second of every day, and he's going to get me through it in the name of Jesus, and I'm not just blowing smoke because it's happened to me before, and it's going to happen to me again, and this time we're going to see it through, and the Lord is going to be the victor, and I'm going to receive the victor's crown in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Too many times we're just saying, God, don't ever bring it back. God says, no, I'm going to complete this project. So on the last page there, um, a few uh, columns down, it says, for our wounds to heal completely. Look at somebody and say, complete healing. It says, we must not only continue the process of cleansing and protecting. There she is. <laughs> We must monitor our wounds closely for the first sign of infection. Amen. And the enemy wants you to continue to dwell on the justices. You see, that's what happens to some of us sometimes when we just won't take the advice of God. We say, oh, I'm okay, I'm better. You know, didn't bother me. And we get good at lying. You know, we just don't have to say anything. You don't have to tell people, man, you really offended me. You know, a lot of times what you can do is just don't say anything. And then go into your prayer closet and let God have it. Say, God, man, that really hurt. Wow. See, these fingers are bent way over, you know. And God says, okay, let's deal with that. 
you know, and God will help us to do that, praise God. And so the enemy wants you to continue to dwell on certain things. That's what he's good at. That's why the renewing of the mind can be very effective towards this. Think about something else. Think about how good God is, praise God. And so the enemy wants to continue or wants us to continue to dwell on injustices um, that we've had. Um, and, and, and what it'll do is it'll infect us with more and more anger. I've had it happen to me, sitting there, and it wasn't the trumpet's fault. It's just that I'm thinking about this thing, and the trumpet's in my hand. Boy, I get this mallet out, and I start beating on that trumpet a lot harder than it should be. Why is that? Because you get thinking about stuff, and pretty soon, man, you've got it like, oh, this is the plague, when it really isn't that big. Man, so consider these things. And so God can help us to get rid of this anger and channel it to something a whole lot better. I'm going to tell you, give you a little personal thing. You know, I've met, there's been many, many more. But since I've been put in certain positions here for the last 15 years, there are three distinct people that have hurt me. I mean, come after me viciously. People that I thought they'd never do that. And you know what God taught me during those times, and I'm still doing it 15 years later, is he said, you begin to pray for them. Now, I can tell you the first time I prayed for him, I didn't really mean it. I was just trying to keep myself from thinking about how bad it was. But after a while, I started meaning it. And 15 years later, I can tell you, I still pray for those people. God has never told me not to. Amen. And that has been a healing remedy for me. I, I can't tell you countlessly how many other people have done that to me, but I don't even know them. I don't even, I, it just, like water on a duck now. That's what that kind of procedure will do. Amen. It isn't that you'll never you know, become aware of certain things, but you'll become more vulnerable to certain situations. You know that. Let me just put it in real, real Carnahan vernacular. You'll develop some thick skin. You'll develop a little bit of a Christian hide. And things will roll off of you. And you won't have to busy yourself with, how's this dilemma going to get fixed? You know how it's going to get fixed. It's called forgiveness. It's called renewing the mind. It's called cleansing and protecting and monitoring these things. And God is the author and the finisher of that in Jesus' name. Can you lift up your hands right now and let God give you some rooted, rooted understanding in that. There's several of you right here. This is what you need. I'm talking about some people on the internet right now that that that's why you're not coming to church. That's why you're shying away from the, from the place of God. God wants to heal you. He wants to give you some tremendous victory in the name of Jesus. And He wants to help you in these endeavors. Oh, I can sense it. God is doing that. There's even angels that are dispatched that are bringing forth healing remedies in the name of Jesus. That is just absolutely better than apple pie. That's better than even cherry pie, and that's one of my favorites. I'm telling you, God is just doing great things. Amen. He doesn't put us in a spiritual bubble, folks. Amen. He just puts us in a world with His help and His power in Jesus' name. And so, if you have been suffering from a chronic spiritual wound and doing your best to hide it, even from God, it's time to ask for healing. 
And you just keep asking. You just keep going to the Lord in Jesus' name. Confess in unforgiveness um, and, uh, you know, uh, any unforgiveness. I'm sorry. Confess any unforgiveness and lay your pain at his feet. Amen. Amen. And after we are uh, renewed, let's move on. There's greater territories to conquer. Amen. And that's what God wants to do. Praise God. Now, the last thing we'll talk about is their steps. Amen. And um, um, I, I believe that we need to recognize those steps in our lives. Forgiveness involves releasing. Everybody say releasing. The record of offense you are holding against another. Amen. It is placing them in God's hands and not yours for settling the score. Forgiveness involves only one while involves only one while reconciliation involves two or more. See, we got to continue the process. That's why I felt last Sunday night there were some people that need to learn what real reconciliation is. Forgiveness should become, I'm not going to say automatic, but it should become pretty repetitious for us. Yes, I forgive you. That's a no-brainer. God tells me if I don't forgive, I can't get forgiveness. So that one I'm not even going to discuss. Amen. And so forgiveness a lot of times is not the issue. But can I trust you now? Are you, are you, are you going to remain on God's trail? I've had to learn this as a pastor. And some people think I'm mean. But God says, whoa, don't you? you? Wait, let's give them another week or two and see if they've learned anything. And that's not God trying to make you look bad. It's that God's trying to help me, you know, see, are they really willing to reconcile? And one of the keys to reconciling, it's not in here, but I believe is something called accountability. We'll be brought under accountability again. We're not afraid to put somebody authoritative in our life. That you can tell really gobs and multitudes and mountains of healing has happened to a person when they can do that. But when they get a cop and attitude towards, towards authority, ooh, boy, I can tell. I don't know if that's the measles, or I don't know if that one's the chicken pox, or maybe that's a cut, or whatever. I don't know what that is, but I know there's something there. I know there's something there. And so I just keep praying. I keep believing God. And I keep doing what God has called me to do, and that is to come pray for this community. Amen. I'm not a wizard. I'm not some great therapist. Amen. I'm just somebody who uh, God has saved to praise God, and he helps me to stay saved. And I'm just going to continue on the road in Jesus' name. So we got to understand. Now, number one, confessing to God you are holding an offense and have wounded spirit towards somebody is a good place to start. You know, if you're going to just keep telling yourself it isn't there when it keeps popping up, I think you're kind of getting into the lion business. You've got to say, Lord, I'm dealing with this. It's here. It's the, what do we call it, the white elephant in the room? Yeah. It seems like every time I get around them, my goodness, I can't hardly handle it, you know? Well... Okay, God, help me. I confess to you, I'm weak in this area. Their personality sucks. No, done. But I'm just saying, you know, it, you know, this is my brother and my sister. I can't just, you know, opt this one out. Amen. And so we got to learn to confess. That's what Jesus told us in Matthew 6 and 12. Number two, we have to admit our wrong. Admit your own wrong. Amen. And that's why the Bible is very, very explicit about this. Admission. You know, you're not telling God something he doesn't already know. What you're doing, in essence, is agreeing with him. And how can two walk together unless they... Yeah, there it is. So again, you're not telling God something he doesn't know. You're just agreeing with him. 
Amen. And then number three, forgiveness is an act of the will. Never forget that. Amen. You and I must now choose to focus on the healing or our healing rather than on our hurt. That's the last one. Hurt. Okay? So we're focusing. We're choosing. We're saying, listen, I'm not going to stay there. It doesn't mean you don't pass by the room every once in a while. It's just the idea that you say, I'm not going in that room. I know where that one goes. Man, last time I was there, that was three months. Spent three months in that room, and it didn't do me any good. So I'm going to head down the hall in Jesus' name. And so, what we, at the end of the day, we got to make the choice to forgive and be healing, healed. Because a lot of our hurts are going to come under that category of forgiveness. And if you and I can learn to forgive and to, and, and to counter that, amen. And like I told you with my own experience, I learn, praise God, very easily that if I'll pray for somebody, I can't pray for them and tear them down at the same time. Can't do it. Amen. And so you and I, we can learn that process. That when we, when we get hurt, praise God. It's an interesting thing. I don't know if you've ever um, um, looked at this. Let me, let me just leave this with you. Look at Psalm 103. This is, you can write this down in your notes. It's not in the notes, but I think it's an interesting statistic. I really do. Praise God. God uses a term here that I think is pretty cool. The Bible says in Psalms 103... And it's got a lot of things that it says in here. It says in verse number 11, this is what I want to center in on now. Look at this. The Bible says, For as, as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. That is, that's a, um, kind of a, a word picture that God gives us. You know, how high the, the world is from the heavens. Jesus uses the other, or not Jesus, but God uses another illustration of the same type in Isaiah chapter 55. Study it for yourself around verses 5 through 8. Amen. But that's an interesting way to look at things. But here's what I want you to see. Look at verse 12. It says, as far as from the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Why didn't he say from the north to the south? You ever think of that? And you want to know my opinion? This is just Carnahan's little opinion. Is because there's poles on the top and on the bottom. So you could measure that. But because we've got a continuing moving earth, you can't measure the east from the west. This thing's going a thousand miles an hour all the time. And so it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's what I found out with my own little experiment with God, with people. That it just keeps getting further away. And pretty soon you don't even, you got to really try. You got to really try to remember that stuff. Amen. And so this is what God wants to do. He wants to bring what I would consider genuine healing into people's lives. Not the fake stuff. Amen. You know, not the Hollywood version of this. He wants this to be right in the heart, praise God. And this is going to take some work, folks. Don't misunderstand me. You know, we're going to get hurt sometimes. And so as we deal with our pride on a daily basis, and as we begin to see the tendencies that we have to do, and we can start with the help of the Lord to start filtering those things, I believe the wounds that we get, praise God, are going to become easily healed in Jesus' name. Easily in Jesus' name. Praise God. One of, the, one of my form prayers is I pray, praise God, that, that, the, um, um, uh, that, 
that the, um, what is it, the, the salt and the light of God multiplies into this area of Gillette Campbell County, Wyoming, and the Rocky Mountain District, and everywhere that I influence. I pray that it multiplies. And because of the multiplication of God's light and his salt, praise God, the darkness has to go, and the blindness has to be lifted. And because of the result of that, people can and will get saved, and they will see, and they will understand the clear and, 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 and easily understood doctrine of Christ. I pray that every day into this area. Amen. And I believe it works. I believe that there's many of you in this room right now are a result of prayers like that. I'm not trying to point the finger to me. I'm just saying those kinds of prayers are effective. Praise God. Those kind of prayers will get you over hurt. Amen. That's why these Saturday night prayers, I hope that you're taking them serious because a lot of this is not only doing you some good, but it's doing this area some good. It's getting our focus off of our own little world and our woes and it's helping us to understand the time is running out and people need to be saved. They need to come into the knowledge of the truth. They need to understand and quit arguing with being born again of the water and of the Spirit and they need to accept it, praise God, and they need to get on with living for God and let the blessings of the Lord come into their lives in the name of Jesus. I believe that's exactly what's happening. Now, come on, let's stand up right now. Come on, we're going to pray this prayer. I hope that this has been valuable to you. I, you know, as, I, as you've already saw, I need help in teaching this. My wife's got to correct me, but that's okay. I believe the content is there and review that. Now, let's make a little longer commitment right now. What do you say? Let's make a commitment to God that we're going to work on this stuff. I'm not going to just throw this sheet in the trash can. I'm going to get it out. And I'm going to start reviewing it in the name of Jesus. Come on, make that kind of a commitment. And I believe you're going to be okay. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. That's it, Lord God. I pray for the grace of God that bringeth salvation, which has appeared unto all people. And it's teaching us to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for those specific instructions that will teach us every day matters in the kingdom of God. Every day matters. I'm telling you right now, I feel the intensity of that prayer in the name of Jesus. Jesus, that God, you're going to help us. You're going to do things for us in the name of Jesus. You're going to strengthen everyone here. People are not going to be the same again. They're not going to treat things in life the same way. They're going to do it from a godly perspective in Jesus' name. And I give you the praise, God. I give you the praise. Oh, yes, I do. Hallelujah, Jesus. I give you the praise and the glory. Come on, let's, let's push ahead just a little bit. Come on, let's take about 30 seconds and let's push into the kingdom right now in the name of Jesus.